Hello and welcome to Nature Snippets, a podcast about natural phenomena, about organisms that you may find in your backyard and beyond. I'm Declan McCabe, coming to you from St. Michael's College in Colchester, Vermont. So I am wrapping up my first run through an aquatic biology course right now. I've got a week to go and I'm doing my best to keep ahead of the students. But one of the most wonderful little aquatic organisms that I like to work with is something called duckweed. And you might be familiar with duckweed. If you look across a pond and it looks uniformly green across the surface, there's a good chance that you're looking at duckweed. And if you got up close and personal, you can reach in and grab a handful and you'll see that they are small little circular leaves with just a root hanging down, a root-like structure, and um, they're not attached to anything. So they do rather well in ponds, and at some point the ponds are too big, and wave action disrupts the life cycle, so they, uh, they don't do well in lakes. But we see them in our ponds. And so the students this semester decided that they would try to discover what causes the duckweed to go into its winter part of its cycle. And they did this using some environmental chambers that we have on campus where we could manipulate the light cycle and we could manipulate temperature. And I'll tell you what happened at the end. But first I'd like to read to you uh, an essay that I wrote called The Great Duckweed Migration. The word migration conjures images of vast wildebeest or pronghorn herds crossing the plains in unison, or hummingbirds traversing the Gulf of Mexico. When the charismatic birds leave our New England forests, migration is the typical explanation. But how can a group of plants disappear without discarding leaves and stems or otherwise leaving evidence of their presence? Duckweeds are in the subfamily Lemnoidea and are the world's smallest flowering plant. Having said that, I have never seen them flower, but I am told that they do. Their small oval leaves float on ponds and quiet backwaters. Root-like fibers dangle in the water. Although I'd noticed them on St. Michael's College experimental ponds, as an entomologist, I'd never paid them close attention until they disappeared. Two years ago in October, my St. Michael's College students and I visited the ponds and observed that they were densely carpeted with floating duckweed. When we returned in November, they were gone. A few dead leaves did not explain this dramatic loss. In spring of the following year, this magic trick played out in reverse. Mid-April, zero duckweed. Early May, bank-to-bank coverage. Winged migration seemed unlikely, and I was baffled and intrigued. A more recent fall, I regularly visited the ponds to get to the bottom of the mystery, and this insect guy learned what the aquatic botanists already knew. As fall progresses, duckweed leaves gradually thicken and sink below the water surface. Fallen leaves obscure the plants on the pond floor where they lie safe from the damaging effects of ice. During this year's spring melt, I visited the ponds daily and observed how the duckweed popped up again across the pond surfaces. They emerged shortly after the spring peepers. I imagined that the frogs had sung them to the surface what actually caused them to sink and later to surface is less romantic than the call of a frog. It all comes down to density, buoyancy and some tricks of plant physiology. Duckweed leaves float because of the air pockets between their cells. 
As fall progresses, the duckweed in the college ponds, Lemna minor, accumulates starch in its leaves, filling up the air pockets and increasing plant density. Eventually, the plants sink. But how do they come back up? Mid-April was peak season for duckweed reappearance in our ponds, although some stragglers were still returning in May. The plants arrive in mass, just like the swallows to San Juan Capistrano. On April 17th, I netted some floating duckweed and some still sunken duckweed from the pond floor. Nearly every floating plant consisted of three leaves, a larger, darker leaf that tended to hang just below the pond surface, and two smaller, vibrantly green, much more buoyant leaves growing from the edge. The still sunken plants had larger, darker leaves and less developed bright green leaves. I put some of these plants in glass beakers in my office window ledge to watch them develop. Sure enough, within a day the first plants came to the surface. The growing light green leaves were serving as the plants' water wings. I was curious about the starch, and a quick splash of iodine told the story. Iodine reacts with starch and turns it bluish-black. The sunken plants were full of starch. In the floating plants, the starch had migrated from the old leaves to the new sprouts, which also had air pockets. It seems that the overwintering leaves provide starch to the new spring generation, whose metabolism and growth produces enough carbon dioxide to float them to the surface. Photosynthesis producing oxygen also keeps them afloat once they get there. I'll admit that this process lacks the drama of wildebeests, but it is a form of migration nonetheless, measured in feet and inches. My ponds are small and plastic and quickly warmed up in the spring sun. Natural ponds are deeper and they warm more slowly. So there is always time well into May to witness the return of the duckweed herds in a pond near you. And I promised that I'd let you know what the student experiments turned up in, in our aquatic biology course. And so what we did is we took solo beer cups, we filled them with pond water, we added our duckweeds, and we put them into two different conditions and a control. So three conditions altogether. The control just kept constant light and constant temperature. One of the experiments, we reduced the temperature gradually, but more quickly than would happen in nature because we wanted to get a result while the students were still in the course. And then in the third incubator, we reduced the photo period, the amount of time where they would have light available. And we did that to such an extent that we would basically create Arctic conditions where they were only getting an hour of light per day. And the short answer is we found nothing. In all three of our treatments, the plants floated and remained floating for the duration of the experiment. So we have not yet discovered the exact mechanism that triggers the movement of the duckweed. In fact, in the cold treatment, the as it got colder and colder and colder and eventually froze, the duckweeds ended up just being frozen in the ice. So there you go. That's the uh, the story of the duckweed. More work needs to be done. Somebody will figure out the mechanism, but it was not my students and I this semester, at least at St. Mike's. So that's all I have for you today about duckweed, but I noticed that somebody posted a review of the podcast, and I thank you for that. If anybody else feels like doing so, that would be great. It seems to help other people discover the podcast. And I look forward to chatting again in two weeks. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed this week's episode, 
please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts. This is a bi-weekly podcast, so you can expect a new episode every other Friday. Thank you once again for listening.